Welcome to the Nest and Nurture podcast. I'm your host and psychotherapist, Leisha Cash. Now let's get this therapy session started. Hello, and thank you for joining me today. We have been talking a lot about default parenting over the course of the last few episodes. And although this one isn't necessarily about default parenting specifically, this episode is where it's all going to begin. It's important to discuss beginnings because that's where these default dynamics begin to form. So we really need to go back to the basics. Let's start at conception, where the seed is planted and the idea of parenthood begins to grow. During the perinatal period, regardless of if we are transitioning into a parent of one, two, three, etc., we learn a lot about ourselves and our partners. This is a transitional time where many of us begin to conceptualize how our partners can support us through this journey and what role you each will play in parenthood. One of the biggest challenges here is that we often have very little idea of what we will be like as parents until we are one. And even when we are one, we don't know what external forces or adding more to the mix is going to do to our co-parenting dynamic. We can make assumptions, we can hope, we can dream, but it is extremely difficult to gauge how parenthood will shift us and our ideals and how this will potentially impact our intimate relationships going forward. We are making assumptions based on what our relationship looks like at the present moment. So one might wonder what we can really do to prepare for the postnatal period with these huge transitions when we don't really know much about what that's going to look like. Or if we have an idea because we have one, but we really don't know what life's going to look like when we add more kids to the mix. So for today's episode, I'm going to focus on the prenatal period. And next time, I'm going to focus on the postnatal period. So even if you're not in either of these stages of your journey, this episode might be applicable to you because it may help you address how your family system may have ended up in the dynamics you are currently operating in or the ways in which we can make some changes. Simply knowing how we got here to our current state might provide you with the place to start making changes to the dynamics that no longer serve you. So let's get started. Many of my clients that attend therapy in the prenatal period are doing so in the hopes that they can prepare as much as possible for the postnatal period. Sometimes clients come to me and they say that they're really struggling in their prenatal period. Perhaps they went through an IVF journey. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of worries. Perhaps they are having a really challenging pregnancy. Perhaps it was a surprise. All of those different areas I work on. But a lot of the time when I have a client who's coming, especially if they're coming as a couple, it's because they want to prepare emotionally prepare for the physical emotional experience that is the postnatal period. They're looking at the current state of their overall well-being and hoping that they can either stay balanced or find balance in postpartum. There's only so much future planning we can do and only so much forecasting we should do. But it's important to keep an open mind when we're entering into this transition while having some idea of your hopes or expectations in terms of support and needs during the coming months. 
Sometimes when we have absolutely no idea what we want in the postnatal period, it makes it a lot more challenging. So although we don't want to forecast certain things, especially if it creates anxiety, we want to be realistic about what our hopes are at this moment, given the information that we have. It's also important to be realistic and know that all of these expectations might change as you navigate these new roles. One of the most challenging parts of this experience is that both partners are generally going through a huge transition at the same time. Therefore, there's no stable ground in that one can simply hold down the fort because the other one is treading new waters. You're both in the water. That being said, generally speaking, the transition into motherhood often begins for the mother at conception and sometimes even before, even if we don't realize it or not. When you find out you're pregnant, the shift begins. For men, it is real in some ways. We know through IVF journeys, this can be very different because it's a very integrated approach. It's a teamwork approach to conception. And there's a lot of stuff that we talk about, a lot of appointments, a lot of navigating what this is going to mean for us. So it's not always the case. But in some cases, our partners are not fully in it or realizing they're in it or what's going to come until the baby arrives. So for some male partners, it is real in some ways, um, but generally speaking, they might be watching us prepare for baby's arrival or helping us with the practicalities such as building and installing baby equipment. (laughs) They watch us change and grow these little humans and they may enjoy moments when they are able to feel a kick or witness some movement, but the true chemical shift of individual to father does not generally occur until they meet baby Earth's side which means they're about 40 weeks behind in their transition. Now, this is not to excuse them of what is to come postpartum, but to provide some context as to what we might be working with. Most understand at a conceptual level, but do not actually comprehend that transition until baby's here. Whereas for mom, it's already started. We've experienced how much a baby can impact our life, either emotionally or physically, and in times essentially take over our life and body. And this realization may come with heightened anxiety or alternatively feelings of preparedness and realistic expectations that may not be present for our partner. So if women have the opportunity to experience the change while men witness it, how do we prepare both parties to enter into parenthood on the right foot? Well, it's important to start working on communication. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Communication is key. I met couples that are amazing at communication and yet we enter into the postpartum territory where sleep is limited and patients are thin and communication is no longer their best trait. We lose capacity to communicate effectively when our system is overloaded and the postpartum period can be an overwhelming time. So it might make sense then that developing or utilizing our previously instilled communication habits to assist us in preparing for the postpartum period would be beneficial. When working with couples, I like to ask the following questions to help drive conversation and start developing some understanding of our expectations of one another as part of a parenting team. And these are questions that you can also ask now in this present moment. Perhaps you're not prenatal, perhaps you're not postnatal. 
perhaps you're just in a relationship. These are really good, important questions that we can ask ourselves and our partners in order to develop a better understanding of expectations. So here they are. How can we support each other? And I'll expand this to say, how can we support each other through our prenatal period, postnatal period, fertility journey? How can we support each other? What do we need from our partner in terms of support? What do we need? What do we expect our roles to look like? What is that going to look like when baby arrives? What are your expectations of the motherhood role? So asking yourself that and asking your partner what their expectations of you as a mother is. And then similarly, what are your expectations of the fatherhood role? What are your own expectations for your partner and what are theirs of you? What are your biggest fears about becoming a parent? What are you most looking forward to? We always like to balance out the fears with the positivity. What makes you, you? What makes you two a great couple? These are just some of the questions. I mean, it's not often that we get to sit down and ask each other some very serious questions like these and also do that work before we experience something. But you have nine months, 40 weeks, whatever it is, if you're lucky to know the whole time that you're pregnant. And if you go full term to ask these questions, to learn about yourself again as a couple, because we might not be able to do that in the postpartum period. It's also important to note that we cannot completely predict what we will be like what we will need, how we will feel, and the dynamics that may result. But we can set our expectations during this time in the present moment. It's important to do so because our capacity to address it fully in the postnatal experience might not be there. So it's good to start asking yourself these questions, saying like, who are we as a couple? What do we enjoy about our relationship? What do we enjoy about each other? What do we like about ourselves? What might we need given that we know we need to work out every day? to make ourselves feel good, to feel like we are ourselves. We need to go see our friends. We need to go out for dinner. We need to have a glass of wine. What makes us a couple? What makes us ourselves as individuals? And what are our expectations? Now, I want to expand on a few of these questions because I want to provide some context into why they are important and what we can do with the answers we receive. So one might ask, How do I know what my partner can do to support me or what my needs might be if I've never experienced the postpartum period before? Or someone might say, Lisha, I experienced the postpartum period during a pandemic when really we were at zero capacity. We had no support. It was a really hard experience at the hospital. There was just so many differences. And now I'm having a second and I feel like my needs are going to be here, but they're potentially not going to be here. And that's a fair question. It's really hard to predict exactly what we might need, but it's important to consider what we might need now, given who we are at the present moment or previous experiences that we might still need in the postpartum period. Like I said, maybe we enjoy a good workout. And once we heal from birth and are ready to work out again, we hope our partners will encourage and support our desire to work out. They're not going to say it like, oh, you really need to work out because that might be offensive. They might take that the wrong way and say, why? What are you saying? Like, I need to lose the baby weight. So we got to be careful with our words, but it might start out with saying, 
hey, how are you feeling? Do you want to start working out again? Is this something I can support you with? Do you want to have some time to yourself? Partners need to offer space where they can watch the baby, they can be on baby duty, and open up that time to ensure your needs are met and you have some time to fill your cup. And I mean, this is a reciprocal relationship. So the hope is that you are able to do that for them and they are able to do that for you. Perhaps your partner enjoys playing hockey. So you might try to ensure that he continues to do so despite the changes you've both encountered. Taking a moment to say, what makes me me? And trying to share that with each other and what those things are in the hopes that you both understand and support each other and continuing those activities in the postpartum period. That is so important. With that being said, sometimes we simply do not have the capacity or desire to engage in those activities in the new normal. And it's okay to shift and change. But then we articulate that. So we start thinking, okay, this doesn't actually serve me right now. So what are some things that I can do that might fill my cup? I think that it's really important to know that in certain moments in time, things don't always serve us. And if you and your partner have had this conversation prior and you've said, you know, I really like doing this and then they try to integrate that and you're not ready for it or it doesn't feel like it will fill your cup, it might take away. We are responsible to say that. So I'll give you an example. I used to love, and I still do, but I I really liked going out for dinner with my friends before kids and, you know, after my first. But given the pandemic and having a baby during the pandemic, I had not really gone out throughout much of my pregnancy and postpartum with my second. And we were having a pretty challenging time. She was very spirited. She's colic. And I... Was, it was a very different experience for me from my first. Whereas my first, I would take her literally anywhere. I got my hair done with her there. I would take her out to every single date with my friends. My, she would come out on all of our dates. She was super chill, easygoing, happy girl all the time. I felt very confident with my first. With my second, I think it was a combination of the fact that we weren't really going anywhere. She had a birth experience that was maybe not my ideal birth experience. And she pretty much came out of the womb screaming and really didn't stop for a very long time, like beyond the normal colic stage. Love her to death, spirited, great kid, but it was a challenging time. And my partner, given the fact that I was home with two kids during a pandemic, he was working, I was home, he knew it, he knew she was very spirited, it was very challenging, he knew I needed to do something for myself. And he felt that I really needed a night out with a friend. However, I was nursing and she would not take a bottle, she did not take a soother, she really just wanted to be held, and she pretty much nursed on demand. So at two months postpartum, I felt like that was not an ideal situation to go out for dinner with friends, because I just really didn't feel comfortable yet doing so. I thought about my partner, I thought about my other daughter who'd be there, I just thought that it just didn't seem like something that would fill my cup. And it seemed like something that would actually drain from my cup. So as much as I loved social time, it's not what I needed in the moment. It was my responsibility then to articulate to my partner that I did not feel this experience would fill my cup. And perhaps it would actually take away from it. 
And it was his responsibility to hear what I was saying and not take it personally and allow the space for alternative options for self-care. If we feel it in our gut that we don't want to engage in activity, it's not mandatory. We don't have to do it. It's worth sharing our feelings. While we may be concerned that we might hurt the feelings of our partner because they are doing their best, they're trying to make an effort to give us that, to to make it possible for us to engage in self-care, but we can recognize with them the genuine thought and effort that they put into it but also explain that this is not something in our wheelhouse right now this is not something that we feel would make us actually fill our cup and feel better it might feel worse and that's a really hard conversation to have especially when you do this prep work so I always like to include that in my sessions with couples you know we can say in this moment something fills our cup but in a month from now when baby's here that might not fill our cup anymore but six months later that might fill our cup so knowing that things can change next what do you expect of yourself in this motherhood role What does your partner expect of you in this motherhood role? And what are your expectations of your partner in the fatherhood role? And what are his own expectations of himself? This question is very important because it really helps us determine what our partner expects of themselves as well as what they might expect of you in this new role. It's also important to know what we are bringing to the table in terms of our own expectations. Sometimes we have these compensating behaviors or engage in negative self-talk and we're unsure where that comes from. More often than not, it is because we have these expectations of ourselves, maybe conscious or unconscious, that we carry with us in almost every single decision we're making, but they stem from these core beliefs, which might be from our own experience with our parents and growing up, but these deeply engaged beliefs may become background noise in all of our decision making and our self-judgments. And we can expand on this in another episode, but it's important for us to start asking these questions in the prenatal phase, as we may have more capacity to access those centers of our brains and articulate it to our partners at that point. As we move into the postpartum period, things will come up and we want to revisit these discussions and identify, okay, is there anything we can connect to expectations that we identified in the prenatal period that are now really not serving us in the postnatal and finding the root cause for these feelings. We also want to be aware of our partner's expectations of us and our role in this because this is often where we see default parenting issues arising and the fact that we often fall into this dynamic naturally due to many factors. So it's important to address any expectations that we disagree with at the forefront because more may come as we enter the postnatal period. For instance, if our partners feel that mothers should breastfeed, I know this is a controversial example, so I'm just going to say that ahead of time. If our partners feel that mothers should breastfeed and there's really no other alternative that's acceptable to them, this is important to know. Perhaps you are in the mindset that you'd like to breastfeed, but are open to alternatives if that journey isn't easy and you'd like to mix in bottles to have some breaks in between. Totally fair, totally good, totally acceptable. But it would be important to navigate this discussion before baby's arrival to outline the expectations that you both hold on an emotionally charged topic. 
it doesn't mean you're going to have a resolution and we don't want to forecast too much. But if you are in the stance that you just want to be supported either way, regardless of the outcome and knowing that that is best, that is something that we need to articulate if our partners have a different expectation. Because that is a conversation in the postnatal period that will be very challenging. So the next question, what are your biggest fears? I mean, this is a hard one because it's hard to always admit that. And sometimes it's hard to even know. But when we think about parenting, just what is the biggest fear? Or is there a couple? Is there a couple big fears? And I mean, they're there and it might be small, it might be big, but it's important. We often associate positivity with becoming a parent and it can feel extremely vulnerable to share that we might actually be afraid of what's to come. It says a lot about our relationship if we have the ability to share with our partners that vulnerability to say, I am afraid to become a mom. I'm afraid I'm not going to be good at this. I'm afraid we're going to have a colic baby and it's going to be really hard, like all of those things. And my hope is that you have the kind of relationship with your partner or support people that you can share these feelings with at least one person. Just because we are excited about upcoming changes does not necessarily mean we also do not fear them as well. And it would be important for us to know where our partner is at and where we are at in terms of our fears as we enter into parenthood. This might allow us to address these feelings in the postpartum period, check in with ourselves to figure out if those fears were founded or unfounded, and it might feel really reassuring if they're unfounded. Perhaps you think, I don't think I'm going to be good at this. And then you have the baby and you're like, wow, I'm doing such a great job. That's a great feeling. And acknowledging that would be so important. It also might be easier to process if they remain a fear and kind of feel out that and have this sense of, okay, we opened the door for this conversation and now I'm going to readdress it with my partner and say, hey, that fear I had, it's coming true. Can we talk about this? And that's why we sandwich this in with what we're most excited about. It's important because we love positivity inserted into fears as a great way to reframe, but I think it's really important to say this is not in a toxic positivity way, but in a let's try to also be excited whenever possible. And if we talk about fears, let's balance it out with something we're excited for. Because overall, if this is an exciting time for you, it's normal to have fears balancing with excitement and we need to find both in order to feel good. It's also important to discuss things we're looking forward to because we might have a challenging moment or two or many in the postpartum period and we might find it really hard to see sparks of joy. So having a good idea of things you were really excited about prior to exhaustion and transition and all of the things that come with this might help you find the joy a little bit easier. And it might allow the space to say, I was looking forward to newborn cuddles. And as hard as this is, as sleep deprived as I am, I get to have some newborn cuddles right now in this present moment. And that feels good. It's a small, simple reminder, but it's important when the big things seem unattainable. In many conversations with my clients about some of the hopes for their postpartum period, a lot of my couples say that they hope to preserve the relationship they have with their partner as much as possible. They understand that things will change, but they want to make an effort to connect as much as possible. 
And this is often hard to really conceptualize until we're in it and our priorities shift. It can feel really challenging to truly connect when we're trying to connect with ourselves first. One of the things I like to normalize is that our relationships remain important in the sense that we need each other to navigate this journey and make it through the ups and downs. We are the only other person that truly lives it 24-7. With that being said, it does not mean our perspectives of the situation are the exact same. And that can at times create conflict. It can also be challenging when our partners are not meeting our expectations. It's important to reflect on what we loved about our partners and what we loved about our relationship prior to baby in order to visualize that in the postnatal period. We might be so clouded and in the fog of the transition that it doesn't seem front of mind. But if we do this in the prenatal period, it might be easier to access. Know that it can take effort and creativity to build back our intimate relationships, but it can happen and it will happen if both partners are committed to making those changes. What hinders this most is feeling misunderstood, alone, not being validated, or being unsupported during this vulnerable time. Trying to focus on those areas of the relationship, such as showing and or verbalizing love and appreciation for each other is a great place to start. And if we can't get there, that is an important thing to notice. And that's when I would either reach out to that person and say, look, I'm having a really hard time with this, or I haven't felt that from you, or reaching out to another support person, or reaching out to therapist to talk it through. This is definitely an area of further exploration in another episode, because I've been talking for a while, so I'm going to let your ears take a little break, but know that you're not alone in this journey. It is hard to welcome a new little human into the relationship or more new little humans into the relationship and get to know them and learn about your partner and yourself in this new role. It comes with a lot of factors, both internal, external, so try to give yourself some grace here. Now, these are just some of the questions and areas we can go to when we try to prepare emotionally for the perinatal period. We often focus so much on reading books and taking courses about what to expect, to focus on the physical aspects of carrying a baby, looking at them grow, what's happening this month to next, focusing on milestones like 12 weeks and 18, thinking about labor and delivery and tangible elements of baby prep like the nursery and those are all super important and exciting things but we don't always allow the space to focus on our internal working model we don't have the capacity sometimes to focus on our internal working model our hopes and our expectations with our partner and individually it's important work it's just as important as the physical aspects of this journey Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you found it helpful in some way and feel free to share it with someone who might be expecting who you feel could benefit from it as well. And in case someone hasn't told you already today, you are amazing. Take care. Bye-bye.